Each week as we gather for worship, yours truly has this daunting task of going into the Word of God and bringing out some treasure to give to you. I'm, I'm tasked with preparing what each of you needs, and I don't know who's going to be here. And so it's not me. If God touches you with His Word, it's Him. I can't accept credit for that. I offer praise to Him. I don't take it lightly because it really matters to each and every one of us, and I include myself, because the Lord gives me the message for me first. And Lord willing, our Creator will have His way here today. I'd like to see Him transform everyone that's within the sound of my voice. And I mean transform. He tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Worship. What is worship? The modern church has music. They call music worship. But we've got to look in God's Word to see what God's Word says worship is. If we want to be those who worship in truth. The word worship occurs 108 times in the Bible. We find that word from Genesis to Revelation. We also find the act, but not the word, in the oldest book of the Bible, which is Job. Job regularly sacrificed burnt offerings for his children. It was a sacrifice for his children. And now in this time that we live in, the sacrifices are gone because one made a sacrifice which we remembered today. He gave his life. The idea of worship's been hijacked. And this is why we're going to look into God's Word today. It's critical that if we are those who will worship in spirit and in truth, that we know the truth. We can choose what to do with it, but we need to know it. And I'm tasked with sharing it with you. So, we're going to examine God's Word for His definition of true, genuine worship. And I I want you, if you will, to open your Bibles to the 22nd chapter of Genesis. Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to read the first 18 verses of the 22nd chapter of Genesis. That's on page 29 in your Bibles there in the seats if you're using them. Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 1, and this is what is written there. The word of the Lord. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. How many of you have ever been under the test of God? Amen. And he said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here am I. And God said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, can you believe that God would tell a man to take his son and offer him as a burnt offering? That's a hard one to believe, right? But God did. God said, take your son and give him up to me. So Abraham rose up, excuse me, did I skip a little bit, offer him, there's a bird offering on the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. We hear his obedience there, don't we? He chose to obey God. That's an even tougher one, I think. If God asks us to give something up, something that we hold dear, something that we love, how many of us could truly say, okay, God, here, I give this to you? Think about it, folks. Then 
On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. Now that tells us Isaac was not a baby. He wasn't a child. He was a young man. And Abraham took this wood that was going to be used for the offering. It was a good substantial amount of wood, no doubt. And he put it on his son. His son was now going to carry the wood that was going to burn him if, in fact, this continues. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and two of them went together. The two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And Abraham said, Here I am, my son. And the son said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them, do you hear his faith there? Do you hear his faith? God will provide. He's being obedient to Almighty God who told him to sacrifice his son, and he's saying God will provide. That's a tough one. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, you want to talk about Abraham's faith. How about his son's faith? How about his son's obedience to the father? We don't hear him rising up saying, Dad, you're crazy. I'm not going for this. His dad tied him up, laid him on the altar with the wood, and he's ready to light it up. But he had to slay him first. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He was ready to plunge the knife into his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here am I. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son, and Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided." Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. I pray that God would add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Me and the lad are going to go worship. You stay here. Almighty God tested him by asking him to sacrifice his only son, the son of promise, the son that Almighty God had promised to Abraham many years before, and his wife became pregnant at the age of 90. Try to wrap your mind around that, ladies, okay? Who wants to have a baby when they're in their 60s? Not asking for that, Lord. <laughs> I have enough children. We have grandchildren. God had previously told Abraham, 
written in Genesis 15, 5, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And it was through Isaac that those descendants were going to come. And now here, Abraham had received this promise from God, and he looks inside of himself, no doubt wondering, How is God going to pull this off? Wouldn't any of you question what God was up to? He promised you children from this child, and he's now asking you to sacrifice that child. In Genesis 17, it's written, I will make a covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him. He fell on his face. I preached one time, I was a little younger then. I preached one time and I fell down on my face and somebody gasped. They almost had a heart attack. They thought I was hurt or something. I wasn't. I don't do that anymore. I don't want to frighten anybody. I probably could do it and get back up, but I don't want to. This miracle child came from God himself. Sarah, 90 years old. And this mirrors Christ's conception. Because only God could do that. A man and a woman could not produce a child. Abraham was 100 or so, and Sarah was 90 or so, and there's no way... In fact, she even laughed whenever she overheard God telling him, and then she denied laughing. She was afraid of the Lord. And the message of the gospel found in John's gospel record is that God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that is something to shout a praise to God for. Okay, that is something that we can worship God for. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Abraham obeyed God, and God counted it as righteousness. He obeyed God in worshiping God the way that God wanted to be worshipped. In Genesis 22 and verse 3, it's written, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder and worship. And that word for worship is a primitive root Shaka, it's Hebrew, and it means to depress, to prostrate, especially reflexively in homage to God. It means to bow down. It means to bow the knee. That's what it means. There's no way around that, okay? It means to bow ourselves, to crouch, to fall down flat forward. I heard a preacher from India, who said, you don't fall backwards because when you put your feet to someone, and this is in, or the uh, Eastern, the way the Eastern folks understand it to be, you don't fall backwards, you go forwards. And he was taking issue with people falling backwards whenever they're touched on their forehead. But I didn't understand that before I heard him say it. And it could even mean to curtsy to do reverence, to stoop. It means to worship. The biblical definition of worship is different from many, it's it's different from what many teach today. Abraham's decision to obey God to sacrifice his son, whom he had as the promise, he loved him greatly. He didn't want to be separated from his son, but this was an act of worship to Almighty God. Obedience to God is an act of worship, obeying God. Now, when we're in the Spirit, when we are operating in the Spirit, we've been born again, we've been renewed, we worship obediently by following the lead of the Holy Spirit. No matter what He requires of us, and It's especially if he wants us to give up something or someone that we love. It's hard for all of us because we don't like to think that God might require something from us that's really going to hurt. And it would be hard for us to say, yes, Lord, here you are. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to worship you obediently. It's hard for us. We don't don't like that idea. And modern Christianity doesn't teach it, but that's what the Bible teaches. 
notice that God stopped Abraham before Abraham finalized that act. God provided a ram to sacrifice. And very often when God asks you to sacrifice something, He will make provision Himself. He simply wants your obedience. That's what He wants. More than anything, our obedience to Him is, in fact, an act of worship. God's angel delivered that promise. By myself, I've sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies." God said, because you were obedient, because you worshipped me the way that I wanted you to worship me, I'm going to bless you beyond your imagination. More than the stars, more than the sand on the seashore will be your descendants. And how many of you know that we've been grafted in through Christ? And we are, by that act of Christ, we are spiritually children of Abraham. How many of you know that? That is a fact by the Scriptures. I'm not going to go into that teaching. At some point, we can. If anybody has any questions about it, we can sit down and look into the Word. But let me ask you a question. When Abraham went to worship with his son, where was the music? There was no music. None. They didn't have any instruments. They didn't sing to God. Certainly didn't sing to themselves. But there was no music. The act of worship is to depress oneself, to put oneself down, to surrender to God, to obey Him and His will for your life. That is worship. And i got to tell you, folks, uh, Abraham humbled himself before Almighty God in true worship, true biblical worship, God-honoring worship. But I'm troubled. I'm deeply troubled. And it's been a long time that I've had this troubling in my soul, in my spirit. I'm troubled by the way the enemy of souls has crept into worship of God in the faith of Christ. I'm troubled by that. I cannot, in this building, allow it. And God has made me. He has... Uh, for me to be obedient to Him, I must deliver this message. And there's a burden on me. We all need to understand there's nothing wrong with music, okay? I'm not condemning music. Don't get me wrong. Anybody who knows me knows that's not true. But you know, Christ warned the religious folks of that time about false worship. In fact, it's written in Mark chapter 7. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and today we could say in calling music worship. We could because the Bible doesn't call it worship, and we'll get a little further, we'll get there. The washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do, he said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. And this is not some place that I want any of you to be. None of you, folks. None of you. Human traditions can be positive, but we can never honor God with our lips but have our hearts far from Him, because He says that's vain worship. Vain. We're worshiping Him in vain if we honor Him with our lips, but in our hearts, our hearts aren't right. Remember, it's written in Psalm 95 and verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. 
Our ideas, our human traditions can never replace the Word of God. We're not permitted to do that. We're not authorized by God, if you will. Worship in that Psalm 95, verse 6, that word worship comes from shakah, to press oneself, prostrate in homage to God, bow oneself down, crouch, fall down, do reverence, worship. That's what it means. Bow down is from karah, which means to bend the knee, by implication to sink, to prostrate, down, put yourself down, bring down, low, subdued, and then there's an X in very, like extremely, you're going to drop down. That's worship, according to God's Word. Later in Psalm 95, God gives a serious warning about repeating the rebellion of His people as they wandered in the wilderness. Don't do this, He says. He warns His people, don't do what they did because they were rebellious. They were stubborn. They grieved God for 40 years. When I came here, God showed me something. There were people here who grieved God for 40 years. God rest their souls. God said it's a people who go astray in their hearts. Psalm 95, verse 10, and they do not know my ways. They do not know my ways, but they were worshiping God. They were His people. He said, they don't know my ways. And so God swore in His wrath, they shall not enter His rest. God kept them out of the promised land because of their false witness. They were rebellious. They were stubborn. They wouldn't do things the way God wanted them done. And many of them became disobedient, and God punished them, opening the ground and swallowing thousands of people at the same time. In Psalm 96, in verse 9, it is written, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. And we're not even taught to fear the Lord anymore. We're told we don't have to fear the Lord. We're under the blood. Well, we are under the blood, folks. But let me tell you something. God is still the awesome God that demands our reverence today that He was yesterday and thousands of years ago. He hasn't changed. He never changes. That's what His Word says. Worship the Lord, bow down, bend your knee in reverence to God. And this is why some Christians have kneelers in their sanctuaries, in their meeting houses, so that we can actually participate in kneeling down before Almighty God to worship Him. I believe the protesters made a mistake when they removed all the kneelers from their buildings. I really do. I think we lost something there, folks. I really do. And I'm not pushing for anything other than us worshiping God. Please understand me. I'm not worshiping a religion or a faith or a, or a denomination or anything like that. But at least we do open up the front of our worship houses so the people that want to can come forward and they can kneel down, they can bow their hearts before Almighty God, and they can worship Him. That's why we have this big, long, what looks like a step in the front here, so that people can actually come forward and kneel down, bow down before God. And if anybody wants to do that, don't hesitate. If the Spirit of the God, uh, Lord is moving over you, I want you to come forward. It's not going to upset me if you come forward and kneel down and pray for Him for whatever it is that He needs to take care of for you. Our Creator instructs us to praise Him with music and singing. This is very clear. The first mention of music is found written in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 21, where Jabal was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. Music's been a part of praising God for a very long time. And there's nothing in God's Word that says not to. There's nothing that says don't use instruments. In fact, there are many passages that say to use instruments. We looked at that last week in the message. If anybody would like to hear that, at some point I'll get it online and I can share it with you. I used to make discs. It takes so much time to make them, but if you want one, I'll make it for you. Just let me know. In Psalm 150, 
we hear this, praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty firmament, praise Him for His mighty acts, praise Him according to His excellent greatness, praise Him with the sound of the trumpet, praise Him with the lute and harp, praise Him with the timbrel and dance, praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes, praise Him with loud cymbals, praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. This is what he says. Praise the Lord. It is, in fact, an act of worship to praise him. It's plain language. It refers to music as praise, not worship. It doesn't call music worship. It's in the context of praising God that we use music to lift up our hearts to him. But at the same time, we're called to bow our hearts before Him. Somehow, contemporary songs in the church have been labeled worship without any biblical support for the idea. And this is, I know it's going to step on people's toes, and I don't want to step on people's toes, but I've got to bring you the truth. God's Word is clear. Music is not worship. Music can be used in the act of worship, yes, but it in itself is not worship. God's Word is absolutely clear about this, folks. I spent, I don't know how many hours yesterday, probably 12 hours, and then the day before, some number of hours, searching the Word of God. Where is it written, Lord? I need to find it. I need to share it with people. It's not there. There are times when music was employed during the time of sacrifice, but then worship occurred after the sacrifice. It's not easy for me to share this with you. Now, we can't say that we're not able to worship with music because we can worship God with music. But making worship all about music is totally unbiblical. It is unbiblical. It's not to say that we're not to sing. It's not to say that we're not to play music. But we're not to call it what it isn't because it's a lie. And we are those who worship in spirit and what? Truth. And we may not present a lie under any circumstances. It's not okay. Okay, this isn't like the weatherman. It gets it wrong more than right. And we just say, oh, well, that's just the weatherman. No, we've got to get it right, folks. We are called by Almighty God to a higher standard than everybody and anybody else in this world. He calls us by Christ to follow Christ along the path of Christ. It's that narrow path. It is not a broad path. And we may not call something, but it isn't. We worship with music, by playing and by singing. Our singing and playing is to praise Almighty God, and our praise is our sacrifice, which can be seen as worship, because we sacrifice praise. Praise is a sacrifice, the Word tells us. I hope I have that quote in here somewhere from the Scriptures, but it does. It tells us, it is, give Him our sacrifice of praise. And the sacrifice is the act of worship. The modern trend of emphasizing emotional responses to music has the effect of creating a certain psychological atmosphere. We try to draw people into this atmosphere where, okay, now God's present. Well, no, God is present. He is within us. His Word says so. And if God is within me, I don't need to call myself into His presence. I need to submit myself into His presence. I need to humble myself into His presence. I need to surrender to His presence. That's what I need to do. That's what authentic worship is. And we can use music as we do it. Don't get me wrong. But let's not call it what it isn't. You get this sense of a personal encounter with God, with music, because of that psychological atmosphere, it's, it's almost like enchantment. And we've got to avoid that, because God's Word is very clear about enchantment. It is not acceptable under any circumstances. We need to allow God to authentically move over His people. Do any of you not feel the presence of God right now? It is He who has taken me as His servant because I've surrendered to Him, and that is my act of worship to Him. And he's moving in this building right now. And I trust that he's touching each and every one of you as he does. Our singing and our playing is praise to God. 
It's not to say that He can't move over His people when we're playing music. He can. And He often does. And we praise Him for that. But that's not what's taught in the Bible. And if we're going to be people who worship in spirit and in truth, we need to do what the Bible says. We need to speak in the way that the Bible tells us to. Let's consider what our Lord and Savior said about worship. After all, He's the one we claim to follow, right? I mean, we claim that He's the one we follow. The hour is coming, He said. And now is, back then, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. He repeats it. That's the testimony of two witnesses out of, out of our Lord's mouth. Truth matters. In spirit is opposite the flesh. In spirit is opposite sensuality. In spirit is truth. There's no enchantment. And sadly, there's a lot of modern music that enchants people into seeking a sensual experience. We see it in a lot of the bigger churches. They're trying to get this sensuality going where everybody feels something. Well, either God's going to move over you and God's going to make you feel something or He's not. And if He doesn't, then you've got to check your heart and see what it is that's getting between you and Him. I'm telling you from His Word. I'm not talking about my opinion, folks. I'm talking about His Word, what His Word says. And we can draw ourselves into worshiping Him with music, okay? But the music itself is not worship. We have to be careful about this. In James, it's written, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show by good conduct that their works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Meekness is controlled strength. It's not weakness. Done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly. It's sensual. It's demonic. Self-seeking is sensual. It's demonic. It's earthly. In Jude, it's written, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. We need to be guarded against this. His Word says so. In truth is opposite what? Anybody? Lies, falsehoods. There's no trickery. There's no subtle deception. And so much of the modern music, and we wrestle with this. I've told you all before. Anybody who's been here has heard me say this before. We wrestle every week when we look at the songs. Is this a self-seeking song? Is this a song about self, or is it a song singing to God? Are we really honoring God? Does it even mention God? Does it even mention Christ? Does it even mention the Holy Spirit? And there are so many songs that don't because they want to hit the pop charts. And lots of them are now. You can find them on the pop charts. Because they don't mention God. He's an offense. Christ is an offense. Jesus is an offense. And they don't want that in these songs because they're going for the mainstream. They're trying to make some money. That's what it's really about. They claim that it's about Him, but in truth, it is not. And they lie. They're self-seeking. It's demonic. And we need to be not conformed to this world. In fact, our Lord said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We proclaim Christ. We proclaim Christ, the Word of Almighty God, the living Word of Almighty God. 
It's his word that guides our lives. And if it isn't his word guiding our lives, we must conform to his word because his word will never conform to our lives. We must get this straight, folks. We are in those days that are foretold. We must have our rights, our hearts right before Almighty God. Worship is bowing and kneeling before God. It is giving sacrifice. No one comes to the Father except through Him. In Romans chapter 12, we're instructed, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We are to worship God with our very body. That we are in tune with what it is that He wants. If we're worshiping in spirit and in truth, we will move the way He wants us to move. We will do what He wants us to do, even if it makes us feel not so good. Think of Abraham. He did what God wanted. His body was a living sacrifice. And had God not provided the ram, which we thank Him that He did, He would have also sacrificed His son. That son that He loved so much because that was the son of promise. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable for God to expect you to give your life to Him. Christ gave His life for you. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be conformed to Christ, not to the world. That's what His Word says. The world says, oh, well, you know, if you want to make it into the charts, you've got to make sure you don't mention those names. God, Jesus, Christ, Holy Spirit. We don't want those in the songs because after all, you know, and I heard a preacher, a big-time preacher one time, they asked him, why don't you use so much Scripture? Why don't you use much Scripture in your sermons? And he said, well, I don't want to offend anybody. Seriously? The true worship is surrendering ourselves to God, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. Total submission and surrender to God, no matter what. And if He takes you someplace that you never heard of, and He has you lined up to do things that you never planned to do, you say yes to Him. I won't go into my testimony, but God brought me here. And God uses me here because I surrender to Him, folks. It would be a whole lot easier if I'd just go with the flow. It would be a lot easier if I didn't try to do it the way God wants it done. Well, that's not true. Because I've been there before. God showed me. It's easier to do what He wants, even though it's hard to do what He wants. It's easier to do that than to follow after my own will. You know, there was a time in, um, we find in the Scriptures, it's written that Nebuchadnezzar commanded people to bow down and worship his statue when music played. But there were three young Hebrews that refused. That's found in Daniel chapter 3. To the best of my ability, I have searched for when did music start to be called worship? To the best of my ability, it seems that maybe, and I have to say maybe because I'm not absolutely certain because it's hard to find, to nail it down, okay, it started here, started there, started at this time, it was about 10, or 10 years ago or so. Now, the modern music that we see, contemporary Christian music, started in the 50s and 60s with folk songs being converted into Christian songs. And then in the 70s, 60, late 60s and early 70s with People like Larry Norman bringing rock and roll into the church. The body of Christ largely resisted a lot of the modern music. But then there was that Jesus movement, that movement that swept me up in 1973, and the music started to change within church circles. Sometimes it would only be in the basement. We'd go to meetings, and they'd be held in the basements of the churches. They weren't held upstairs. Upstairs, it was organ or piano only. And you know when the organ was brought into the churches? We used to have one over here. That's why I'm looking over there. When the organ was brought into the churches, there was a great resistance. 
because it was a worldly instrument. The same with the piano. When the piano was brought into the churches, there was a great resistance, and that happens with instrumentation. But God's Word is clear. We are permitted, at least, and instructed in some places to use instruments in worship. In our worship services, we can use musical instruments. Contemporary Christian music is also known as praise and worship music, but many simply call it worship instead of worship music. And I've I've read a lot of articles, okay, about how people are responding to that. There are pastors who are saying, wait a minute, you know, one guy said, um, somebody came to him after the service and said, I really love the worship today, pastor. Your guitar solo was excellent. And the pastor said, this was the guy that was doing the sound, and he didn't do a guitar solo. Where'd that come from? Music is nowhere in the biblical definition of worship. It's not there, folks. It doesn't mean that we can't use music, but it's not worship. Music itself is not worship. In 2 Chronicles chapter 29, we learn that music was used during the sacrifice of a burnt offering, and after the offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshiped. They weren't worshiping during the time that the music was going on. Now, it may have continued, we don't know. But they don't call the music worship. And if we treat His Word honestly, we can see that He sets the standard for worship differently than we human beings do. God does set the standard different for worship than what we have been taught or what we've been trained or what we believe by our own experience. It's written in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, because everything after that is going to tell you how you could be unwise, all right? Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, which means excess or unsavedness at worst, but be filled with the Spirit. So there's being unwise and there's being filled with the Spirit, two different things. Being drunk with wine or being filled with the Spirit, two different things. And the drunk with wine could be translated in our modern times as being under the influence of drugs. Don't do that. For all things, it's written, excuse me, I jumped a little bit, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another, to one another. Not just us up here speaking to you, but all of us participating in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Nobody's over anybody else, including yours truly. I'm equal to you all. I want you to understand that. God uses me to bring His Word to you, bear upon your lives that you would transform, you would change, you would be in the image of Christ. That's what He wants from you. And my role is to help you do that. If I don't deliver the message, then your blood is on my hands. And this is according to Ezekiel chapter 3 and Ezekiel chapter 33, and I take that seriously. Singing and playing music are forms of praise and thanksgiving. This is what God's Word shows us. It's praise. It's thanksgiving. At least it should be. And the instruction is that we are all to be completely sober as we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. We're not to be under the influence of anything. His Word is clear. It's absolutely clear. There's no place to squeeze it in there, folks, okay? And you come to worship God, He doesn't want you to be stoned. He doesn't want you to be out of your mind on something else, alcohol or anything. He tells us, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. God has put this message on me months ago. He had me working on this message for a very long time. So if anybody's getting their toes stepped on, it's not because of any recent interactions that we've had, folks. God had this planned a long time ago. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Do you see the role of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs is to actually bring the message of the gospel? 
We're to teach and admonish, help one another with the music, with the lyrics of the music. It's not just the music itself, but it's the words. We had a conversation a few weeks ago where one of the folks that were here said, we need to hear the lyrics more. Slow down, reduce the sound of the instrumentation so that we can hear the lyrics. And I agree. It's time that we do that because we need to be participating. We are to sing and admonish one another with the music, not just the music, though, with the lyrics. The music team's... Excuse me, the music team's role is to enable participation, not replace it. The piano is not to drown out everybody who's singing. None of the musical instruments are to override the corporate worship of God's people in putting their hearts to God, surrendering to God, yielding to God. I want you to remember what's written in the third chapter of Genesis. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He's the one that's whispering subtle thoughts. Turn up the music. Turn up the music. I don't want God's people's voice to be heard. Turn up the music. And God says, no. That's not what he wants. The music is an accompaniment. And we all need to be recognizing God in the singing of the lyrics that glorify him, that praise him, that give thanks to him. The devil is the one that whispers that we turn up the volume to drown out the praises of God's people. And you know, he's the one that led the charge to replace authentic bowing before God with music that doesn't permit bowing. Let that sink in, folks. God showed me that as I was preparing this particular page of notes yesterday. The act of standing is contrary to the biblical definition of worship. So when we do what we do, we may not call it biblical worship worship. All these things that's written in Matthew chapter 4, I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. This is what Satan said to Jesus. And that word for worship there is a Greek word, proskunoi, excuse me, proskuneo, meaning to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand, to fawn or crouch to literally or figuratively, to prostrate oneself in homage, to do reverence, to adore, to worship. The devil wants worship. This was his original sin. I will arise. I will become like the Most High. We covered that in a message a couple weeks ago. He's the one who tempted our Savior with worldly power and authority, and he wants everybody to worship him or anything except Almighty God. And as I wrap this up, I have to say God's Word calls us to sacrifice our misconceptions and false teaching, even if it's strongly held beliefs that are not found, most especially if it's not found in the Scriptures. If it doesn't line up with God's Word, we have to let it go, folks. Just like Abraham was called to sacrifice his son, we need to sacrifice misconceptions. We need to sacrifice misunderstandings. We need to sacrifice false teaching. We need to sacrifice anything that is not within the parameters of God's Word. And everything that we do here in this building is to get the message of the gospel heard. It's to strengthen all of you and yours truly for the work of the gospel. Our Creator wants our heartfelt, wholehearted devotion and dedication to Him. He wants us to live our lives purposely for Him. He wants us to serve Him and Him alone. He wants us to give up inordinate desires for anything that gets in between us and Him, whatever it is. For some of us, it might mean food. I had to go on a very long time of fasting, and I didn't even realize that I had an inordinate desire for food. I wasn't extremely overweight. But God showed me I had this desire for food, and I had to break it. And He broke it through fasting. 
Some of these things only go out by fasting and prayer. For some of us, it's going to be alcohol or drugs. And dare I say, sports on the day of the big game. There's people that are bowing down before their televisions right now. They've surrendered. They've submitted themselves to the big screen TV. Some of us, it'll mean clothing or favorite TV shows or movies or anything else that hinders genuine worship of Almighty God. And how does it hinder our worship by soiling us? It gets between us and Him. It causes us to sin or worship other gods. You know, I've caught bits and pieces of these uh, shows that are on and, and also these halftime shows and all of this. It's all Satan worship. It's all Luciferianism. It's all bowing down to Baal, and I refuse. And I hope that each of you will too. I'm not trying to step on your toes, folks, but I've got to bring you the truth of God's Word. We're to worship Him and Him alone. He wants Christ's family to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. And where does it come from? It comes from the Spirit, the authentic, genuine, Holy Spirit of Almighty God who will rule your life if you surrender, if you worship God by giving your life as that sacrifice. It's your reasonable service. He wants us to avoid sensuality. His Word says so. It's not my words. I'm like anybody else. You know, things that feel good in the flesh, if it feels good in the flesh, hey, I like it. If it feels good, do it, right? Isn't that what the old motto used to be? That's the world's motto. He wants all of us to bow before Him and Him alone in worship. He wants us to surrender to His Holy Spirit's control over our lives, and He wants all of us, every bit, not just a little bit, not just everything that we feel comfortable with, can't tuck anything away and say, oh, God, I'm going to hold on to this. This is mine. I, yeah, I grew up with this. I, yeah, I, I can't let this go. Well, yeah, He wants you to. He wants complete control. He wants all of us. He wants us to bow before Him. And so I want you to bow your hearts and your heads with me now as we pray. Father, we know that Your Word is true, and every man can be a liar. Lord, if there's anything that I stated that's out of Your will or out of Your way, out of what You want for this congregation, I ask that You would strike it from our hearts and our minds. Lord God, help us to worship You in the beauty of holiness. Help us to surrender ourselves, to surrender our lives, to give everything over to You that we would be Your people who worship in spirit and in truth. That there be no lie in our walk, Lord that we wouldn't be one way outside of this building and another way inside of it. Help us, Father, to be Your people who love You supremely and love our neighbor as ourselves. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, if you will, we'll, we'll take a moment and receive an offering.